What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Real Rundown. My name is Bruno. I'm here with Pedro and Scott. In this podcast, we just talk about TV, movies, anything that we've been watching. Today, we're going to talk about the Oscars. We're going to talk about Poker Face. We're going to talk about DC. But first, we're going to kick it off with what we've recently watched. I've been binging Yellowstone on Peacock. Nice. So I am on. Yes, it's quite good. Unfortunately, not everyone in the cast survives every episode. So uh, it's like a law. It's just basically like a, it's like Law and Order. It's like the guarantee that uh, the the guest character is not going to live. Um, but it, I, I'm sort of late to the game because now it's season five just ended. Um, and oh that my was, god, I didn't realize it had been on for that long. Yes, yes. So it's on Peacock and it's available there for the first four seasons, and then the fifth season was on Paramount TV. So. That's where you have to get it there. So not you can't watch the whole thing if you're a cord cutter. So that show is tied into like three other shows, right? With that focuses on it, there's another show called like 1923. That's a spinoff. There's another show called like 1885 or something. And I think they're all part of this entire like little universe. Is that accurate? It all has to do with the with the family or the land or something. Yes, Kevin Costner um, is in it. Uh, and he he's plays John Dunn, who owns um, the, the Marquis Attraction in the ranch. Um, and he's a, a sixth-generation loan center, and apparently he's a devoted father, but even though um, they're the most uh, unconventional family that they all kind of hate each other. It's a love-hate relationship. I've pulled up the Wikipedia, the spinoffs, yeah, 1883-1923, and then just two other series. Um, so they're all sort of part of this little universe. But you like it. You like it? Yes, so- it was hard to, it was hard to get into it because uh, it started kind of slow. Also, the first episode is almost 90 minutes, so it felt like it was watching a, a full-length movie. Yeah. You sort of get into it. Yeah, I, was, I was wondering what was up with that uh, show because I did see that they're up to like, five seasons now and they have all these spinoffs but as far as i can remember the show's only been around for like two years right it started in 2018 okay so four years it just seems like they've been they've released a lot of stuff based on that show in such a short period of time i didn't realize it was that popular or like it wasn't even how they're doing all of that like so fast it's really popular. I don't know with who. It's certainly not popular in New York, um, but it is popular. It'd be like that southern, southern. Yeah. Here. So I might I might be a, a late arrival to this fucking season five already. Damn. Okay. This show's a hit, and I think it's um. Is it is it this guy Taylor Sheridan? Then like he he basically like created all of these shows. Um, so that guy, that guy is busy. That guy is busy. End of subject. Pedro, what do you what have you been watching? Um, saw the. Uh, well, I'm still watching it because it's a couple of parts. I think there's like five episodes. High score on Netflix. It's just a, a limited series uh, on the history of video games and video game consoles. Oh, like one of those episodic things that yeah. they do. 
it's really interesting. It starts off with uh, like how video, how video games basically started as arcades in Japan, uh, and then they crossed over over here, and then the consoles came, and then the console wars and stuff like that. So I just started it. I'm only I only saw two out of six episodes, um, and they're getting into uh, Nintendo dropping here in the '80s and like the craze and all that. So. Oh, you must be excited to see that that newsreel footage. Yeah, just I, I really, you know, I, I I just felt like watching something nostalgic, and they got tons of footage of like all the old system and like commercials and like kids shopping and enjoying it. People waiting in line at consumers at Toys R Us back when people used to get video games at Toys R Us. Is that a new show? I feel like they've done that before, something like that. Like released they- in twenty twenty. Okay, yeah, sounds familiar. I think I've seen, uh, I didn't see the whole thing, but I just saw like one or two episodes. Um, yeah, it's always interesting to sort of go back at that because it brings back obviously a lot of memories. You never remember it as fondly as they portray it on TV because it's never in real time. Like these things are never a big deal. It's more like when you look back at them, you're like, oh yeah, I guess that was a huge moment. But I might go back and, and finish that too. Uh, I've been on Netflix watching, there's this new show from Korea called Physical 100. That's a show I would probably never admit that I watched because, well, I looked at the length of the sh- the, uh, the first episode and maybe 30 min- minutes of it was of just each person coming into this room, all admiring themselves, looking at the statuette of their of their chest, you know, the upper part of their body yeah. going, Oh, I look good. Ooh, ooh. And they're off. And I, and I, of course I listened to it with the English dub, which sounds really over the top when the voices do each person. Yeah. Um, you have to watch with the English dub. I think just because there's so much overlaid audio and you'll just get lost to trying to, to read everything. And you'll also, you'll also lose some of the visuals, but I love the show. I love that whole intro part because, yeah, it's so it's basically like a giant room with with like a hundred torsos, all chiseled, like really good looking bodies, <clears throat> and then like the people walk in and they have to find theirs, and then like they meet each other and and all of this. What I thought it was really interesting is like I don't know if this is played for the cameras or if this is like how just Korean people are in general, but like everybody was really humble and really nice to each other. And like generally like starstruck to meet the other people and just pay all kinds of respect. Again, I don't know if that was like culturally they're just nice because I was like, if this was in the US, somebody would have been like, oh, I know that motherfucker. He's a fucking asshole or two two women would have been fucking cursing each other out already. But it was the dynamic there was all uh, all respectful, really cool. Why and then did you watch episode two when they really get into it? Like the action, yes, like they they fucking fight, and it, it's 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 really authentic. Um, they were cheering themselves on. I'm like, where's the freaking <laughs> diary room? For goodness sake, talk about each other. Where's the diary room? Yeah, yeah there's no there's no diary room where they cut to the interview and they're talking shit about each other at all. Uh, it's it's super physical. It's super physical. So one of the games is like there's just like this giant leather ball in the middle of this. Uh, I don't know what is it. It's like a mud pool, and they have to 
they have to basically fight each other for two minutes. Last one standing holding the ball wins. Uh, and it gets intense because they also have to like pick their opponent. Uh, so strategy comes into play, uh, all of this going on. Really cool. So they've only dropped two episodes. I think they dropped more today. Um, today, meaning Tuesday, January 31st. So there'll be more by the time anyone hears this or by the time you guys check out Netflix. But I recommend it. It's fun. English dubs, baby. I have to admit, I watched mostly the whole thing at two times speed. <laughs> Particularly okay. when they were walking in. I'm like, Those I can't watch. shots of like when they're both running at the ball and they clash. Uh, yes. Really well shot. What I don't like is the reality TV style editing where it's like, there's like, you know, one big, like somebody gets tossed and there's a soundbite of someone like, oh my God. And then they just like cut that back to back to back, you know? They just happen to have a microphone around that person saying, oh my God. Yeah, but they edit it like you're watching like a, an American reality TV show where they keep replaying the same stuff over and over to really like emphasize the point and that that really annoys me. Other than that, it's it's really good. Recommend for sure. Recommend. All right, let's move move on. Do you guys want to do the... Scott, do you want to do real quick the Oscar noms or do you want to move on to poker poker face? Sure, we can do Oscar noms. All right, let's do it. I'm going to let you lead. So we're going to talk about the Oscar nomination. Scott's going to take us through it. Uh, oh, I'm going out. So the Oscar nominations were announced on January 24th, and uh, they were kind of a surprise at what was going to happen. They were, they were pretty much one-sided as far as who the winners were, uh, and, uh, as far as nominations. Everything, everywhere, all at once, leading the way with 11 nominations. And then a uh, second, uh, there was also the Banshees of Inchirin, and the German film All the Quiet on the Western Front both received nine nominations apiece, including Best Picture. Uh, the Oscar, just to explain how the Oscars work, as everyone knows about it, the Oscar winners are decided on nearly 10,000 uh, 10, voting members of the Academy uh, of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences, and the Best Picture is determined through uh, a ballot between numbering uh, of number one through ten while the rest of the categories are voters simply chosen with the preferred nominee i like the breakdown thank you wiki wiki check it out let's go down to the best picture i'm very curious to see how many of these films we've actually watched that's what i was thinking so best picture uh i'll let them let's tell me if you could hear i'll let them say here all right there might be a copyright issue for us scott are you all the way all right here's nominees uh for best picture all quiet on the western front malta glunitz producer avatar the way of water james cameron and john landau producers the banshees of inna sharon graham broadbrent cleet charmine and martin mcdonough producers. i saw this movie was good elvis Baz Luhrmann, Catherine Martin, Gail Berman, Patrick McCormick, and Skylar Weiss, producers. That's you, Pedro. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Daniel Kwan, Daniel Scheinert, and Jonathan Wong, producers. The Fablemans, Christy McCosco-Krieger, Steven Spielberg, and Tony Kushner, producers. 
Tar, Todd Field, Alexander Milshon, and Scott Lambert, producers. Top Gun Maverick, Tom Cruise, Christopher McQuarrie, David Innocent, and Jerry Bruckheimer, producers. Triangle of Sadness, Eric Hemendorf and Philippe Bobak, producers. And Women Talking. Dee Dee Gardner, Jeremy Conner, Francis Spectrum, producers. Now, just so everyone knows, we do not have a studio audience. That's pre-recorded applause for when the uh, announcement was done. So we don't have a studio audience. So That's a lot of nominees. Is that more than usual or? Well, 10. Usually they used to do five and then they they did it like up to 10. So it can be anywhere from like, I guess, five up to 10. I remember it being five. Oh, yeah. They want to, they all yeah. equal opportunity of nomination. So what have you guys seen from that list? Or is, and if you haven't seen much, is there anything you, you do want to see? I've seen quite a bit of these, so I'm not the the average person. Um, so I've seen All Quiet on the Western Front. I've seen Avatar, The Banshees of Inchirin, Elvis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Levi Saw the Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun, this guy's been going to the movies too. Something like that. But I, I don't, I've not seen the, I've never heard of the Triangle of Sadness and women walking. I mean, excuse me, women talking. I've never seen either of those. Walking or talking. Yeah, I, need to, <laughs> I need to catch up on on those, but I've seen the Banshees of Inisherin. I saw everything everywhere all at once. I saw Elvis. I thought all three, I, I thought all three of them were really good. So, sounds like Especially with 10 nominees, it's a, that's going to be a tough... It's going to be a tough race. Yeah. A lot of good movies. I, I think immediately, probably, I'll probably watch All Quiet on the Western Front. And I think Tar popped up on Amazon Prime or something. It's on Peacock. On Peacock, that's where. So I'll probably try to check those two out now that I now that those are available. Is everything everywhere all at once in, in cinemas or streaming? Or both? A lot of times these films have been only available for screening purposes but then once the academy awards happen they then are available on all theaters everything any everywhere all at once that one i don't think is streaming yet uh that is available on paramount plus i i believe i wanted it that's how i saw it and on showtime i'm definitely gonna watch that i'm definitely gonna watch tar i'm definitely gonna watch top gun which i haven't seen and Triangle of Sadness, I think I'm going to watch that as well. Um, I don't really care about Elvis. The The Banshees, I saw that. It's fucking great. Um, really good. That's the only one I've seen. All Quiet on the Western Front, Scott, I know you liked it, so I'll probably check that out. Women Talking, I might have to skip that. And then The Fablemans, I'll probably skip that too. That just look, that looks kind of boring. Yes, that's, that's the... Steven Spielberg passion project as I as I think but uh he also got you know speaking of that why don't we actually hear who is nominated for best directing Martin McDonough The Banshees of Innisfarren Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert Everything Everywhere All at Once Steven Spielberg The Fablemans Todd Field, Tar. 
and Ruben Usland, Triangle of Sadness. Yeah, I think I'm leaning towards Daniel Kwan and well I'm I'm leaning towards Daniel Kwan for this award. And I think just in general, everything everywhere all at once and tar, I think are gonna be big winners. I don't know. Banshee was was really good, so they'll probably get some actor wins, but we'll see. One of the the awards. Oh, March twelfth, Sunday, March twelfth. Okay, so that's how long we have to watch uh, as many or any of these films. I'm not gonna watch the whale and said I'm gonna pass that because they just no whale. Nah, I don't know. I just don't care about it. What's uh, Steven Spielberg's like win percentage in the Oscars? When nominated for Best Picture. I think it's fairly high. Did he win? He didn't win for uh, West Side Story. He didn't win anything for that day. I don't think West Side Story should have won for anything. I thought it wasn't very <laughs> like, I'm, I'm wondering like yeah. how many how many times he's won versus how many times he's been nominated. Well, he's he's won three Oscars, won 200. He, he has 208 wins. 208 uh, wins? In total. Yes. Not enough, not enough for the Oscars. <laughs> that would be the record. There hasn't been enough Oscars, you know. He would have to win in almost every category multiple times. Um, and uh, he's gotten 321 nominations in total in various awards and categories. Okay, so I'm talking to Chat GPT. As of as of 2021, he's won four Oscars. And let me ask about nominations. Well, I can tell you before before Chat GPT 2022 that he uh he the nominee for West High Story, but he didn't get it. He didn't get it. Okay, so yeah, he's his record's pretty good. Uh, My, did I get it before Chat GPT? You did not, but oh, it was close. It was really close. I, let's see, I said it faster, so I didn't hear Chat GPT talking. So <laughs> there you go. It's quiet. But yeah, his record is pretty good. Um, and he honestly, he could get it this time because that movie is getting a lot of praise. It just seems like, you know, a kind of a a well-done new film for him by him. Um, I don't know. Everything really everywhere is so different, man, that they, they got to give them best director. I would aim for Tar. There was some very good... I, I'm, I give a lot of credit to directors that can let a scene go on for four or five minutes nonstop. That is true directing, not having multiple cameras change. Giving direction of allowing a scene to go on for a long period of time and allow the viewer not realize that this has been going, a scene has been going on for a long period of time. That is true directing without stopping. So one thing uh, is that I'm just playing, I'm sure we, I know we've probably seen none of these films, heard of them, but one film for nominees for best animated short film has a very interesting title my year of dicks and an ostrich told me the world is fake and i think i believe it you don't find it funny to see the of the title my year of dicks yeah i did but are people laughing because it's just like about dicks i i think they're just laughing just based on the title just being completely i don't know just not even knowing what the movie's about, uh, and then and then the next film is an ostrich told me the world is fake, and I think I believe it. Yeah, I heard about that when I heard uh, that's one to check out. You heard the title, or, or that's a movie to check out? 
Yeah, I just I saw online that like it was just mentioned somewhere. I don't remember where it was mentioned, but the name you definitely don't forget the name. Those categories, especially the best animated film, that those are they always have a lot of interesting things. The shorts are usually out there. Uh, My Year of Dicks, the trailer looks pretty fucking interesting. Uh, is it about dicks? I, I think it is. Is it about that? I think so. The audio's not on, but I just see like a glad it's animated, and I see like a kind of, you know, kids partying and someone's doing a keg stand. Someone's like potentially raping a woman when she's like maybe knocked out drunk at a party. I can't really tell. It looks pretty cool. I might watch it just out of curiosity. Okay, Poker Face. You guys both saw it. I did. I watched the pilot. I loved it. I can't wait to keep watching the rest of this show. Whoa. I didn't expect that, Pedro. Expl- you... Explain why. Hold on, hold on. Before you do that... All right, don't do it. Don't do it. Whatever you do, not explain why. No, I want you to explain why. But before you do so, the only thing I want to pull up is the... Uh... I just want to pull up a quick... A quick description of what the show's about, in case somebody listening doesn't really know. So, according to Rotten Tomatoes, here's a little info. It's a mystery of the week that I didn't know and intrigued me more. So, it's a mystery of the week series where Charlie Kale, the main character, has an extraordinary extraordinary ability to determine when someone is lying. Okay, so that's basically the premise. Our main character can tell when anyone is lying. Um, yeah, I saw the... F- and. Let me just say, too. It's created by Ryan Johnson, who directed one of the Star Wars movies, the one that most Star Wars fans hate, um, and also did the Glass Onion and Knives Out series. Um, and it stars Natasha Yelon, who I just recently remembered was in American Pie. Um, she's in a couple things in the 90s. She's, she's, she's played a lot of good roles, especially in some indie movies and stuff, so. Yeah, she's been like low-key in the background, kind of working actress. And, you know, she had her big role with Russian Doll, I think it was the name, on Netflix. Yeah. Which was also another kind of like uh, show that um, played with like theme of, uh, I think she was stuck in a time loop or something. And I never actually got to the end of it. But now she's in this. Um, and yeah, I agree, Pedro. It's really good. What did, uh, Why did you like it? I just thought it it just it just checked off all the boxes. Uh just a really like feel good show, really well done. Everything like just everything just hits, you know, just the color, the setting, the acting, the comedic bits, the story, the editing, the pacing, it just everything was just hitting it for me, so Great cast too. I love uh, Cliff. Um, I don't have IMDb pulled up. Great cast, but, um, right? Crazy how you know two of the main characters. I guess just got killed off right away in the first episode. Well, but we don't know. And that goes. I don't know. That goes into it being like case of the week, right? So every week is a new cast, a new mystery, a new murder that she tries to solve. Um, the consistent element is I guess that she's still on the run from Cliff and from Mr. Frost is that his name like the owner of the casino that we 
only here on the phone. Okay. I had no idea. I, I went into this blind. Um, I didn't watch a trailer or like read any reviews or anything. So I, I didn't realize it was like a weekly series like you're describing. Um, but that's cool, man. That's cool that they're going to play with that format and, you know, not knowing anything. And at the end of the pilot and wanting to keep watching the show, I was just in my head, I'm thinking like, are they going to continue the story? Like, is it going to turn into like flashbacks starting from episode two and like showing you everything leading up to episode one? Or is it, is, are they just going to continue with her on the run? Because it seems like a show that's going to experiment with a lot of things. So, yeah, it does seem like a show that will experiment with format and just characters too. Um, the characters are all really interesting. I like how it begins with the crime, right? Um, I didn't know it was a a uh, sort of mystery of the week until I started watching episode two, and then. Because you don't see her in episode two for a long time. And I was like, wait, what is it? Am I still watching the same show? Uh, I But I went on to read that. It was Mystery of the Week. I like how it opens with the crime, the murder, and then sort of it goes back uh, to show her sort of POV and how some of those lines in the plot crossed each other. Uh, and then obviously it just follows her thread of trying to solve how her friend was uh, killed. Uh, but yeah, really good. The guy who plays Cliff is—he's been on TV forever, Benjamin, Benjamin Bratt. Um, and yeah, they're gonna do like these big star kind of like castings because you know most of these people are only gonna be in one episode, uh, so there isn't a commitment issue. Adrian Brody was really good as Sterling Frost, I think was his name. It was great. Scott, did you watch it? Thoughts? Yes, I think that starting close up of him walking into the room, I I was like waiting for like an applause because it's like here I am. Mm -hmm. I I thought the show was uh, at least the first episode um, was very well directed. I don't know what if it's the same director for all the other episodes uh, of the season, but that certainly kept my attention of wanting to see it through to the full episode and wanting to see. Uh, what else there is to come. I'm wondering if this is going to be like the big um, the big breakout of Peacock because people are, you know, the only, the, the way NBC Universal Comcast is promoting Peacock is like, oh, you can watch all of your favorite NBC shows, but then, then you got this uh, show breaking out. And, yeah. uh, that's also, a good point. I can see that it maybe will be get people, and also Yellowstone people are you know getting into it and watching the past episodes. But other than that, no, there's not really any they reason also have to go WWE Network, which is huge for them too. Yes, there's that 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 little wrestling within the past, and, and I think they acquired that within the past like one or two years. So you know, within that span, the last year year or so, they. They're kind of, you know, pushing for it. I was surprised that uh, this show was on Peacock because I wasn't expecting something that good out there, you know. And don't forget also, you can watch all of, you can watch all of the great Hallmark movies on Peacock as well. Don't forget about that. That's also on Peacock. <laughs> Are you laughing? That wasn't a joke. Those movies had their audience, man. I guess they do. 
So one thing I, I didn't love about the show was the really aggressive product placement of the cores, the cores and the Heineken. Course, like, yeah, that was that like, was that was very nice. Every scene, she's literally like, "Give me a beer, or I'm gonna have a beer," and it's just like this. It's just very blatant. That kind of takes me out of it a little bit, uh, and it goes into this thing like it got me thinking about streaming and why we stream. Um, you know, Peacock is is not free. You pay for it, so not only are you paying for it, but you're getting ads on the content that you're paying for, and then you're getting commercials in between during the content that you're that you sort of paying to watch. So. I was like, did we go, did the formula just like break? Like we used to pay for streaming to get away from ads so we can watch our content in peace. But now we're paying for streaming, but we're getting even more ads and ads in the actual. That's my big complaint with Peacock is the commercial breaks they give you. And it's like you said, it makes no sense. You know, because you got, you got commercial breaks on free uh, streaming sites like freebie or to be or all that stuff right like why on this a lot of time for it a lot of times the commercials are for peacock they're not really commercials it's a 30 second commercial like here's but they're not you can bad watch. Should, it, uh, you've already at watched least it. they keep the commercials short and then after after they give you a few of them like they just stop giving you commercials but i don't know yeah i think there's like three breaks um, but it's just weird that we're paying essentially for these services, on-demand services, and they, I guess we've just been sort of not paying attention and they've just been able to sneak uh, these sort of product placements and commercials back into our lives without anyone really noticing. I think uh, Netflix also introduced a plan or they're going to introduce a plan that has ads. HBO already did that. Um, so TV commercials are kind of like coming back and now they're just in 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 streaming uh which is basically like it you know we're back in cable in a way um without really realizing it you've never left cable because that's how you get internet but a lot of people watch peacock as a free extension to their cable subscription through comcast xfinity and they get it for free which is what the company is now rethinking do we want to you know, give this as a freebie or do we actually want to charge people for it? That's also what, like HBO Max, you get it for free through it, through your HBO subscription through uh, cable TV. But then everyone got hit a few weeks ago with, oh, by the way, you know, the HBO you got, you're going to pay a dollar more for it. Yeah, so yeah. They're all evaluating how much are we really worth? Yeah. So you're paying, you have a, a TV subscription, right? You, you pay yes. the overlords. What does an average bill look like for you, just the television, just the channels? Well, I would say um, it can cost, for a regular subscription, it can cost about $130. Just for TV channels? TV and internet. No, no, just for TV. Forget the internet. TV, well, it's a bundle. So a lot of times you can pay about $80 for TV. Okay. Yeah, which is about probably like the cost of like a couple of streaming apps put together. So I think TV streaming cord cutting thing. I think you know, after I started watching this series, I think I realized like we're back at square one. I can I can probably spend an hour podcast just going over my philosophy of how cable, how people thought they were cutting a cord. Guess what? 
Now you got eight cords. Eight cords, uh, you know, go into your TV instead of having one and you're paying the same well, thing. More, yeah, even more. But at least like you can pick, right? It's not like with cable, it's like you get 2,000 channels, but it's like, okay, do I get the three that I actually want? Well, that's another $5 for that for that one channel that you really want. HBO is uh, going to be introducing ads. Is that how they're going to switch it up? They're going to do a, tier, a tiered plan? And- they're going to introduce, or I think they already introduced, a cheaper model that has ads. For HBO Max. Yeah. If you have the original HBO Max, that service should not be interrupted. They're just going to create a lower base entry level that, that does include ads. Or they may they may already have. I'm not really sure. But yeah. And and I get that. I get going backwards because you want to increase subscriber numbers. You want to increase revenue with, with ad sales. Um, they probably need that for all that, all the DC property that's going to come out. They need the <laughs> extra money. Yeah. Well, that's going to make them a ton of money. That's going to get them a lot of subscribers. I remember when Z- the Snyder Cut came out of Justice League, uh, reading how their subs- subscribers' uh, numbers just skyrocketed for that. So yeah, the Justice League is and the DC is a nice property to have. It's basically, you know, it wasn't really worth much because those movies and TV shows really just sucked and they really just appeared to a, a very specific audience. But if they can create mainstream content the way that Marvel has been for 10 years or, or longer... Um, and it's just sitting on HBO's library. That's that's great for them. Um, do you guys want to go over the James Gunn announcement real quick? If you have if you have a lot to say for it, go for it. Um, because with me, I I I mean I'm I'm I've never been a DC fan and looking forward to it. But there were just two movies that he mentioned that stuck out to me. One of them being Swamp Thing, which he said yep. would be like this my number one a horror drama, and I'm interested in how they're going to do that because that that's a story that should have been done like a long time ago. You know, it was. Yeah, I think like, a year, I think like two years ago or so, they tried to do a series on it, and they released the pilot, and it got canceled after the pilot episode. Yeah, and that looked really good. Yeah, so I was really hyped for that. You know, it's. It's a very interesting story, and it gets dark. So you know, my my takeaway from his announcement, which I'm with you, I don't really know the DC characters all that well, other than you know the the more popular ones. Um, but he basically was like, "What we want to do is unify all of these characters, unify all of these stories into you know the movies, the television series. He even included video games in that." Uh, so he basically wants to do what Marvel did 10 years ago, which is create this one singular story or one singular story world where all these characters exist. Um, and they're going to be able to, you know, go from animation to live action. And that would still include the same voice actor or the same actor um, doing the voice and the live action uh, acting for those uh, characters. Yeah, that's smart. That that I That's a great idea to but when he see going across all yeah he just wants to sort of unify everything it was like an eight-year plan he said this was called monsters and gods or something and it was just sort of like half the slate 
what was interesting to me is like you, I don't really know these characters uh, at all. So my expectations are just zero, right? So I can watch uh, one of the characters. Yes, yeah, Swamp Thing is like definitely the number one thing I'm hyped for. But there was another character. I can't remember his name. But the story was like, he's like a, a huge loser from the future. Yeah, that's the, that's the other one I'm, I'm looking Comes back and he like... He, he's a superhero now because I guess like his technology is just way more advanced from wherever he comes from. And like just the premise alone, I was like, I'm in. Like I'll at least give yep. this a shot. Yeah, that sounds fun. And depending on who the actor is going to be, like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, depending on who the actor is, like what kind of show it is. Some of them, they seem to be playing around with themes too. Like Swamp Thing, he said it was going to be very dark and horror. There was a Supergirl story where she's just like a very jaded character after witnessing like her whole planet get murdered so there's these different themes and different kinds of um genres uh so it seems it seems cool it seems like potentially an interesting slate of content even if only one or two of those things appeal to me uh, you know i'm still excited for it i wonder what dc with you know all the movies and shows they've done like what their like i guess what their return on investment is with all of these productions that they've been doing all, all these years because the majority of them are just like really bad right but yeah people still like they still get views you know people still watch them they have that audience that will watch it no matter what so i'm wondering right all like that all that money combined that they spent on movies shows you know what they made back from that I'm sure a majority of the success they've had has they've been, done well has been it. from like the Dark Knight and the Joker, like just yeah the Dark Knight series and the Joker probably like you know returned like so much money for them compared to all the other stuff, uh, and obviously those are the like the best productions they've done. But I wonder like, what the terrible productions like what the numbers are on those. I think they still do well, uh, like the Aquaman movies, um, those Suicide Squad movies. They're generally killed by critics, and they're you watch them and they're bad. But like the fan base shows up, they buy tickets, um, so they're profitable. At, at least most of them, I think. Um, they're just it's not, not watchable. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just not watchable. Yeah, so I think money-wise, they're fine, right? These people, there's certain, just like Marvel, you know, there's certain fan base that they're just going to eat up whatever they put out, regardless. Um, but they want to go beyond that, right? They want to, they want other people like us or more mainstream audiences to, to go into a cinema and enjoy that stuff too. It's just been shit, uh, other than Joker of the Batman. You know, most of it's been bad, to be honest, but. Um, yeah, I think hopefully they'll turn it around and make some interesting stuff. We'll see. Um, Sounds like we'll see a lot of money, and they gave uh, this person the keys to the kingdom. It's crazy. They gave this guy the keys to the kingdom. I, I would be, I would be pretty nervous, but he's he's extremely confident. And I follow him on Twitter, and he's just like very dismissive of, uh, you know, sort of like this rabbit fan base that comes at him for like you know, not using Henry Cavill as Superman. He's just extremely dismissive of those guys and just sticks to his his creative decisions. 
Um, so, you know, he's, he seems like the guy for the role. He also, he also directed, um, the second suicide squad with the shark man character and your boy, uh, John Cena as, you know, captain something. I don't know, but that movie's fun, man. You should watch that. They have John Cena and the rock in the DC universe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But I, well, I don't know if they have the rock anymore because his movie tanked. Like that movie got killed. Yeah, I, I realized it showed up on HBO Max recently. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like the next day in the theater. So who knows? Yeah, if didn't continue with that property or not? But it's just funny to think that they had John Cena and The Rock in the DC universe. Yeah, cool. I guess that's the show, man. Scott, anything to add? But did you ha- did you say your thoughts on uh, Poker Face? I did. He spun it into a anti peacock rent. <laughs> no, oh, that's how we got to that. I account. was I was hopeful. I was being I was being hopeful about Peacock to see if it has a new life. Are you gonna continue watching the series or is not your vibe? I will I will give it an episode two. Cool. I'll say um, I will say though it did remind me of uh Get Shorty the series which was on Epics. Yes. Yeah very look like that very similar kinda, has some yeah. similarities and that that was a good that was a good series that I like. Not the Mel Gibson classic. No, the actual they made a series on it. Have you guys followed up on have you continued watching The Last of Us? Yes. I didn't watch this uh, Sunday's yeah. episode yet. So I'm still on the I had to I had to look away a couple of times. <laughs> oh my god. It was very you know it, it was moments where I got very You got very uncomfortable. Yes, just a little. So they just re- they announced that they're going to renew for season two. Oh, and really? I was looking, I was looking at the episode list on Wikipedia just to see how many there were. I think there's nine. I'm not sure they're going to be able to to get through the whole story of the video game in nine episodes, given where they currently are timeline wise. Um, but obviously they can obviously jump ahead or speed things up. I completely forgot it was about a video game. After the it, it's, after this last uh, one, yes, the entire episode focuses on two characters who are in the game, but their role is 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 minimized. So it, it was great to, to see them explore these two characters. All right, that's it for the pod this week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you soon.